Good evening. Howdy. All right. In March of 2013, we walked into this room with gaping wounds in our marriage and fear for our future. But we also had hope, and most importantly, we had God on our side. This is God's story of redemption in the lives of two broken people and his restoration of a broken marriage. We were the perfect couple. If anyone was going to have a happily ever after, it was going to be us. We both grew up in loving Christian homes and with committed parents that raised us in church. We each accepted Christ as our Savior and were baptized around age nine. My parents were not without flaws. My mom could be very stubborn, and dad struggled with anger. A month after graduating high school, we found out mom had breast cancer. Feelings of anger arose, and I could see my dad's patterns coming out in me. I never saw my parents fight. Dad went above and beyond to make mom happy. And in my home, private school, and church, I learned to elevate the importance of outward appearance, but uh, transparency and accountability were foreign concepts. Tanya and I met under the most godly of circumstances at a rock concert. When I spotted her sitting near my friend, I thought jackpot. It was love at first sight for me. In 16-year-old terms, uh, <laughs> yep, that's our, our dating time. And um, That's a 1969 yeah. Mustang um, 302. <laughs> I, I don't miss it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Mustang had no AC. It was hot. And in 16-year-old terms, when I met Greg, he was hot. And he still is. But So though at a rock concert, um, some of our first conversations were about church and our faith. Our five-year dating journey um, was mostly conflict-free and a lot of fun. We attended the University of North Texas and really enjoyed serving with Denton Bible's college ministry. Um, When we got engaged, it was exciting, but it also brought about some of our first real conflict. Each fight would cause me to question, are we making a mistake? Healthy conflict resolution had not been modeled for either of us, and we didn't know how to communicate hurts and desires well. Overall, we felt prepared for marriage, especially after two premarital counseling classes. (laughs) This is a theme, you'll see. One is not enough. Um... We married during Tanya's third year of college. I had just graduated and started a new job. We had a beautiful Hawaiian honeymoon and came home to our first apartment and really had a great first year of marriage. After Tanya graduated, we moved to Dallas. We enjoyed our new freedom and began going to clubs and drinking and not making church a priority. After a year working in advertising, I went to work for my dad. And a year later, Greg joined the family business. Early on, this was a great arrangement, um, but it would lead to some difficulties later in our marriage. After visiting several churches, we settled on Watermark sometime in 2001. We got in community and began serving, but we're not consistently putting God first in all things. In John 15, Jesus refers to himself as the true vine and calls those who receive God's message of salvation to abide with him, saying, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
things changed rapidly over the next few years. Our first daughter was born one week after our fifth anniversary, and we were so proud. Um, We had two more surprise daughters within three years, and our oldest proved to be extremely challenging. Uh, We moved to a new home in Murphy, increasing our expenses, debt, and stress. We also left Watermark um, to go to a church closer to us. Um, I was still trying to work, but was overwhelmed and often depressed. I recall one night holding our sweet colicky newborn, I told Greg, if it wasn't for these kids, I'd leave you. After a particularly hurtful fight, we sought help and actually began our first round of re-engage in 2009, but it would not be our last. As conflict returned... I didn't believe I needed counseling or help. I could figure things out myself. I became disillusioned with life, my career, beliefs, etc. Although I was leading uh, Sunday school at church, at home I was not leading my family as God intended me to. Feeling lonely and isolated, I expressed a desire to try another church where I could develop closer friendships, maybe even go back to Watermark. Sundays had become a burden rather than a blessing for me, as Greg would leave early to set up for teaching, and I would wrangle kids, often arriving late and stressed out. Valentine's Day 2011, a nice date turned into a fight. Shortly after, some changes at work added to family stress. Just as the office manager resigned, an overwhelming flood of work came in, meaning that Tanya would have to fill in and work overtime. To keep up with deadlines, I began working 12-hour days for many weeks. I was overwhelmed with work, isolated from friends, and disillusioned with life. 1 Peter 5.8, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I was ripe for devouring and was now working closely with a male co-worker that had been a friend too. I began seeking to have emotional needs met by him flirting sparked an attraction and before long a physical affair that continued off and on for about four months. Um, These months were an emotional roller coaster from deep shame and depression to seeking another fleeting high. I felt trapped in my own dark vortex of sin. I had committed the sin of adultery. In my mind, this was the one unforgivable sin, or at least the sin that Greg had always told me he would leave me for. I was sure our marriage was doomed. Things were strained between us, as was a pattern in our marriage during tough times. We planned to get away. A vacation we couldn't afford should help, right? (laughs) So in June, we headed to Key West. After a snorkeling booze cruise, Tanya and I had an argument while walking back to the hotel. Tanya went down the road she thought was right, and I left her choosing a different road. I remember thinking, how could he leave me alone in a strange place? It was the final straw, and I decided that when we got back to the hotel, I would tell him that I wanted to leave him. So that's what I did, but I was determined that I could not be honest about why. If pushed, I would say the affair was just emotional. I was shell-shocked. She hesitantly told me about our coworker, who I thought was my friend. How could she do this to me? She assured me that the affair was mostly emotional, but admitted they had kissed and texted pictures. Surprisingly, although Greg was angry and upset, he actually told me he wanted me to stay. Hearing his reassurances and then coming home to our children was a wake-up call. I decided to stop working, and I was ready to stay in the marriage. 
but I just knew I had to lock up the full truth of the affair and keep it hidden forever. I had confessed my sins to God, and that was that. Why should I need to confess to Greg? It would only hurt him, and I was sure he would never forgive me. The day after we got back, I met with a coworker to verify stories. He told me the same thing, and he resigned. So I thought, I can work through this. We met with our old pastor who gave good counsel, recommended a good church in Plano, and a Christian marriage counselor. Our first Sunday at the church, the message was on God's discipline and the Israelites wandering in the desert. I felt that God was speaking directly to us and that we could make it out of the desert. We were making strides at getting right with God, but weren't there yet. We never really got in community and remained fairly isolated. Struggles during these years for me included focusing on work, venting with anger, and the constant suspicion that Tanya wasn't telling me everything. I escaped the pain with alcohol, porn, and lustful thoughts. I certainly had not closed all doors of escape, even entertaining the thought, what would it be like to have an affair? In the summer of 2012, we moved back to Dallas and were led back to Watermark to seek community. We were immediately affected by the sermon series on marriage and parenting. There was an upcoming marriage conference, which Tanya wanted to go to, but I wasn't ready to open myself up to the chance of having to talk about our past. When Greg wouldn't go to uh, the marriage conference, I thought maybe we could try re-engage again. I pulled up their webpage and watched a video of the Cox's testimony. I was blown away. Their story gave me hope and the courage to come clean to Greg. I had been in Bible study fellowship studying Genesis and learning how so many great Bible figures made huge mistakes. Though their sins had consequences, there was also abounding grace, and God still used those sinful people for good. I related to the cries of an adulterous King David in Psalm 32. What joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record has been cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I knew that God forgave me, and I prayed Greg could too. We had been faking peace for years. If our marriage was ever going to regain emotional intimacy, I had to confess. Still, I was terrified, but God had it under control and put a friend in my path. She served and re-engaged, so I thought she was probably a safe person to confide in. Lo and behold, she shared a very similar story. She was such a source of biblical wisdom and encouragement. After much prayer and weeping, I sat Greg down one night after the kids were in bed and told him what he had feared all along, that the affair had in fact been physical. The room began to spin, and I remember getting off of the bed and sitting down on the corner while Tanya spoke. In a way, it was a relief to finally hear the truth. A, d- a day later, I was in L.A., and while swimming in the icy Pacific, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 came to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I had not done this in so long. Again, I felt God was speaking and saying, I love your family too much to let you fall apart. After getting back in town, I met with our counselor and also met with the husband of the woman who'd been counseling Tanya. I was completely broken and open to God's guidance. 
It was important to me that we get to re-engage ASAP. There was a great deal of undeniable spiritual warfare going on with both of us. The devil was working overtime to have us believing lies and keep us from reconciling. The first night that we planned to go to re-engage followed a really tough day for Greg, which led to him leaving the house after he got home and me crying on the bathroom floor with suicidal thoughts. When Greg returned and found me there sobbing and saying, I just feel hopeless, he reached out his hand to pull me up and said, well, let's go get some hope. And we went to re-engage to begin our journey of healing. Coming to re-engage that first night was scary. I was amazed at Raul and Susan's story of redemption, and I felt encouraged. The following months held ups and downs. Often Tanya and I were operating at two different speeds, but we committed to the process to each other and most importantly to God. I had a renewed spiritual vitality, feeling a weight lifted from bringing my sin into the light. God's provision was amazing. He continued to bring people into our lives to encourage us through the tough season. The first night in closed group, we discovered that a couple who had served in college ministry with us was in our same group. Our re-engaged leaders were awesome, and our group formed a close community. The guys in our group went through a men's Bible study with our re-engaged leader, which was a great source of encouragement and accountability for me. As re-engage was ending, I was terrified. We'd gained so much ground, and I never wanted to be in isolation again. God answered prayer and led us into community with the very same couple that had helped to counsel us early on and had still been helping us along the way, and they're right there, <laughs> still serving and re-engaged. Um, we also quickly began serving and re-engage ourselves, um, and both have been a huge blessing. I praise God for the mighty work he has done in our lives. When I look back at the path of self-destruction I was on, I'm even more amazed that we have a God that scripture says will never leave us or forsake us and that desires to seek and save the lost. I was like a sheep that had gone astray and Jesus rescued me. I have seen such spiritual growth in Greg as he abides with Christ. He has grown in humility, forgiveness, and gained more control of his struggles with anger and lust. He is leading himself and our family as God intended, and my respect for him continues to grow as I watch him faithfully study the Bible, lead re-engage groups, and lead men in Bible study. When God steps in to save a marriage, it impacts the whole family. Our children see a difference in how we love each other and them, and their desire to know God has grown. I've been so blessed and encouraged with Tanya's spiritual growth. She's absolutely made God and the study of his word a priority in her life. The change in her character, actions, and love she shows to our family is incredible. I'm so proud to be her husband. God's still working on us as we strive for growth in our communication, managing expectations, and faithfully abiding with Christ. By God's grace, we celebrated 19 years of marriage this March. And those are our three children, our daughters that are getting way too big. <laughs> that was Mother's Day, so Greg was taking the picture. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, every time I do this and I look up at their picture, I'm reminded um, Helena would be, she would, would have been seven. Um, Le, Leilani and Madeline would have been even younger if we had called it quits in 2011. 
And I can't imagine not having had the input as a father there. Um, and it just reminds me that if you're out there struggling and you're trying to find a reason to, you know, to hold on, just think of your children and think of the future and, and what you can do and, and how it can be different. Let's face it, we all dream of having perfect marriages, but in reality, relationships are messy. Why? Because we all bring into our marriage something that can be destructive to them, sin. The good news is Jesus came to deliver us by his life, death, and resurrection. That means there is grace for every messy moment. You enter into that grace by admitting just how much you need it every day. God is the source of hope and real change, and he wants to save you and your marriage too. Will you let him? If you have unconfessed sin, will you stop hiding it tonight? James 5, 6, confess your sins one to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. There is freedom in the light. Will you commit your marriage and to the re-engage process? I urge you to take divorce off the table and lock all doors of escape. Will you seek community? Isolation is a dangerous place to live. Left to ourselves, we can easily develop wandering hearts and blind eyes to our own faults. We need the protection and often redirection we receive from God's people, led by God's spirit and his word. And finally, will you stay in your own circle? focusing on how God wants to change you and trusting God with everything else. I know it's not easy, but try this. Before praying, Lord, change my spouse, try praying, Lord, change me. God is at work not so much to give us comfortable, predictable lives or to transform our circumstances, but he is working through hard circumstances to transform us. We'll leave you with a scripture, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We can honestly look back at the last few years and testify that this is true. Through life's difficult moments, we actually receive the blessing of heart-transforming grace, because the God who loves us knows that is exactly the grace that we need. Thank you. Thank you.